0: Hello, my friends. Today, we are talking to Paul Kramer from ChangePoint. And we discuss the ways you can leverage enterprise architecture management to propel your organization forward, how to get better results by asking better questions, and why your business continuity plan may be in need of a complete overhaul. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO podcast. Uh, dark and rainy here, so the office is like really dark.
1: Yeah, and your look is all changed up. I'm all upside down now. I watched some web, uh, some YouTube's. I'm like, all right, I feel like I know this guy. Who are you? That's just not the same I'm, guy. I've
0: taken over. Uh, I've taken over, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get haircuts. You can't get haircuts, and so Good I was point. like, all right, well, if the hair's if the hair is growing. It, it looks, you know, I'll balance it out. And, uh, you know, I've never had the opportunity to grow a beard before. So I took this. There's a positive to the there you go the situation. Are you at your house right now? I am. I have a music room, too. Is that a music nice. room? Nice. It's spot
1: on, man. Spot on. Yes.
0: What's that? You got a drum set there? What's going on?
1: So, yeah, that's a Sonar SQ1. So that's my drums. Okay. And then on the other side is, you know, amps and guitars and stuff.
0: Oh, nice. I have a music room at my house, too. We've got some digital drums, uh, and then some acoustics, some electrics and piano, and a musical family. so
1: nice. yeah, My youngest plays lead guitar. We're trying to convince one of my other boys to play bass, but that's not working real well. So every now and then i'll I'll play bass, but it's just a place to come and just get loud. I mean, literally, you can crank everything and you could be right above us you can't hear a thing the guy who did uh paisley park helped do this room so it's it's top shelf it's awesome so are you into music
0: right right off the get-go your was your parents and family into it growing up
1: no uh I mean, I would say yes. Uh, I grew up on Motown stuff. I actually thought Motown music was Christmas music. You know, when I first heard <laughs> uh, Earth, Wind & Fire outside the context of Christmas, I'm like, oh, it's not Christmas music. Uh, but no, not particularly. It was truly accidental, really. I fell into it completely by accident. And just, I'm just a hack. It got in a bunch of bands. I was arrogant enough to think that I was good enough and just started playing with bands and it just took off from there. So I would say for a good uh, five years, you know, played a, around a lot, toured a little bit, made a couple albums. Really? Yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome. My uh, my brother-in-law is a music producer. Uh, I did heard a lot that. of that. I'm so yeah.
1: jealous. I wanted to be in the music business so bad.
0: Yeah, it took him a long time. I think he's I think he's like 55 now ish. But I mean, he definitely put in his 20 years of like he did some touring uh, and then he stopped in Orlando and ended up doing a lot of the uh, in the early 2000s, like the boy bands and things like that. And then he um, his big hit that he got was uh, this is the best day of my life. That's, you know, that song, do 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 dude.
1: Do, do, do. No, you know. you know what? Unfortunately, my musical taste stopped about 1992. Oh, come on. So, well, no, I know a lot. I just don't know who it is. Like if you said, hum a song from Dua Lupa, I'd be like, I know the name. I know I, I like what she does, <laughs> but I couldn't tell you one name. I, I couldn't tell you a name of her song. So
0: it just hit as a song that was like in a lot of movies and it just swept. It was like, uh, you know, in the, in the top songs for... Uh, a year or two nice, uh, and and just pop culture. You've definitely heard it like in a movie or something, but I'm sure uh, he, yeah, he wasn't um, the, the band. He was the producer of them. He found them in Boston and they were wanting to record an album and he's like, yeah, come up to New York. We'll record something. And then uh, it just took off. And so.
1: Production, especially in a, on the music side, you can tell a well-produced band and song and, I may not like the music, but the production, uh, just the style of the production and the sound, that's really what I, I love. Whether I like the song or not is inconsequential, but you can tell how they've put it together and really added some nuances that take a, take a song to the next level. I love high production value. I like garage band stuff too, because that's what I grew up with. I'm a punk rocker at heart, but that high quality production,
0: I love it I like I like that you like the uh uh, different genres of music because like when I'm doing some drum stuff I'll put on like a 70s funk backtrack totally right there's just something about drumming like something yeah
1: just over the top I mean I it's I have my iWatch on and I'll close a circle just playing like three James Brown songs there's no (laughs) no doubt about it
0: oh this is good people are like isn't this a technology podcast yeah right (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, that, that's, you do music hobby. Talk to me a little bit about what ChangePoint
1: is. ChangePoint is, uh, just a super fun software company. So we are focused on helping companies achieve better business outcomes. And we have three platform products. One focused on work management, execution, change point, project, portfolio management, uh, one on uh, service automation called ChangePoint SA, and then the product that I lead up is ChangePoint Enterprise Architecture Management. And at the end of the day, we are focused on uh, aligning strategy with execution. And gives really the 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 fun part the fun part of ChangePoint the the story that I think gets my I know that gets me excited, and gets the rest of the organization excited is giving companies the the ability to imagine what could be. This is where I'm at today. What could be? What changes do I need to make or how do I need to react in the context of external situations? So you look at the unprecedented business environment we're in right now, companies are making decisions that, well, yeah, did they have a business continuity plan? Totally. Did they ever think that they would likely have to leverage that? Probably not. So being able to react in real time to these unprecedented business environments and make decisions that you know benefit the customer, their employees, and enable them to keep executing on their strategy. That's that's the really fun stuff, and that's prime. That's really what we focus on for when we say strat- aligning strategy to execution.
0: So I read on the website actually when you go right right to the the ChangePoint website, there's Uh, a call out to the you know your continuity plan business continuity Mm -hmm. plan so you're very explicit about that so people Mm -hmm. can go read that i was curious to know more about that just in general like open discussion so you know i personally just to be transparent didn't have like i didn't have like a business continuity plan like in the archives or or ready to to dust off if needed Um, do a lot of companies and like what, what should, what's, what are some core, I hate asking compound questions. I'm sorry about that. Do, a lot, do you see a lot of companies that <laughs> Well, have I wouldn't
1: these? know what a compound question is
0: anyway. So, ask yeah. well. uh, well, you know, and I'll take a little aside here when people ask multiple questions, that's like the thing that's most frustrating. So obviously I'm new to the whole interviewing thing in the past couple of years, but now when <laughs> I watch interviews, I'm like, why ask two questions? It's so hard to answer two <laughs> questions at once. So the first question, I'll be simple. Do you notice a lot of these, a lot of businesses having these these uh, plans?
1: Uh, well, I'll, there's two way, there's two answers to that question. Do they have the plans? Yes. It's likely in their head, though. It's likely in you know isolated tribes of informa- siloed information all over the enterprise. So they do have a plan, whether it's codified and it's something that they can turn to right away, it's a crapshoot. And, and if they do have one, it's likely outdated or you know really didn't address the unprecedented environment we're seeing right now. I mean, the business continuity here isn't a natural disaster like a, uh, a tornado or hurricane and you lose your data center. It's all right. How do I continue to scale my organization in a distributed environment? No one is going to be working next to each other. Everyone is remote. How do I support some of these manual processes offline? That type of stuff, most business continuity plans, you know, didn't take into consideration. And, you know, when you go to our website, you're right. Uh, it's, it's business continuity planning is, is timely given the environment that we're in. But that is only one use case in the context of enterprise architecture management and and creating that sync or that 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 linkage between strategy and execution
0: and so are these i want you to shed some more light because while i get to talk with a lot of uh, different Mm -hmm. people that run large organizations myself uh, i haven't worked in an organization that is bigger than 250 people so can you give me some some background on like what enterprise architecture management looks like, and then in your mind, when you're talking about strategy and execution, are you are these like two different teams, or this one team that like concepts are happening? Can you tell me like how how it I guess the question I want to form is, how is it broken?
1: Yeah, so fundamentally, enterprise architecture management at the end of the day, it's just an inventory. It's an inventory of what an enterprise does how an enterprise does it, and then how does it allocate finite resources to deliver on whatever it does, make a widget, sell a service, what have you. So fundamentally, it's very simplistic. You're just counting things and you're looking at how, uh, for instance, an application may be related to a process or a a software technology may be related to a given product. So enterprise architecture, you just count those things and you start to map the relationship. That delta, and what that inventory allows you to do is not only assess, you know, what do I have, but it can can enable you to start to imagine what could I be or what could I do with respect to the things that I have. That alignment of strategy to execution is super important and is often overlooked Not from a uh, people think about strategy, but our definition of strategy is the allocation of finite resources to deliver a specified outcome. And a business has finite resources, people, money, time, all of these different things. How do you allocate those finite resources to deliver on your vision? Maybe ChangePoint, our CEO wakes up one day and says, you know what, we're going to be an app company. All we are going to do is, is build apps and we're going to go into the service business. And what enterprise architecture allows you to do is assess that pivot. Do you have the capacity to, do, to, to make that type of pivot? And what are the resulting impacts? So that's really like the forward-facing part of enterprise architecture. You know, when we, to kind of bring it back to business continuity planning, You said do a lot of companies have it yes they know what widget to move where what process who's on first who's on second they can change all their uh routing for their call centers but what this uh recent uh business calamity well actually world calamity has introduced is business continuity planning didn't necessarily address how are we going to collaborate as an organization yes there's zoom Yes, there's email, and you have some collaborative, uh, you know, other tools out there like Slack, so you can have conversations. But how can you bring to scale the ability for individuals to affect the enterprise, to affect decisions that are going to be made that can, you know, you don't have the water cooler conversations anymore, or the coffee uh, the coffee conversation. Those are all gone right now. You have to get on Zoom. And really what we try to talk about and what we focus on delivering in the context of enterprise architecture management is how do you leverage that collective experience, that finite resource, the most important part of your business, your human capital, and arm them with tools so that they can help affect change whether directly or indirectly. And it, think of it really from, how do you crowdsource uh, information in an enterprise that's not isolated to email or SharePoint? Uh, you know, A lot of antiquated technologies that, candidly, the millennial uh, uh, generation doesn't even like to participate in that world, and they wanna be able to have a voice or some context or alignment to what's going on at the, at the higher level. So that's really what we we try to humanize those enterprise assets, those enterprise resources, and, and almost give them a personality for lack of a better term.
0: I like that. And you're right. We're free to, as the generations come through, we're just constantly redefining how we work, what we work on. I mean, I, I was talking about exactly. this with my wife, yeah, I was talking about this with my wife the other day. It's like, we've always just been in a constant state of change. It's just always been changing. Like there's never been a time when like it's a certain way for a long period of time. Like it just every generation changes. There's new music, right? But there's there's different styles. There's different trends. There's different businesses. There's just, we're just in this constant state of 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 change. And so what are you like what's doing well for change point. Oh yeah. You guys have changed the name. (laughs) What, (laughs) What services are doing well for you right now?
1: Really? If we, you look at, uh, the three pillars of our business, work management, execution, project, portfolio management, service automation, and enterprise architecture management, they're naturally built to support chaos and, and really bring, uh, you know, calmness to that chaotic state. So across the board, all of our businesses uh, seem to be are performing well. Granted, are we on the growth trajectory that we were seeing, you know, coming out of our our fiscal Q4 at the end of March? No, but from a business standpoint, you know, we are a profitable software company. We are continuing to grow. We're just not growing at the clip that we were growing prior to, you know, COVID-19. So we're really happy with where our business stands right now. And we have a mantra right now. Selling doesn't help, helping sells. So really what we're doing as an organization is really getting very intimate with our customers and really digging in and trying to figure out where can we be of service to you? How can we help you? This isn't a transaction. We are building a relationship. So let's not worry about any transaction, commercial transaction. Let us dig in and help you solve your problems. You had 100 projects that you were going to focus on, and now you need to winnow those down to you can only do 20. How do you prioritize those 20? Which ones should they be? The ones that you've identified, are they aligned with the strategy where you want to go? So we are really just digging in and getting very, you know, almost sitting in our customer's lap for all intents and purposes, and, and really getting to understand their business, what are the fears that they have, what, what, uh, what, uh, what, you know, really what fears do they have and how can we help them overcome that?
0: I have never heard that selling doesn't help helping sells. That I is, I wish like... I
1: made it up. I stole it from our CEO. He says it all the time.
0: <laughs> are you guys a publicly traded company?
1: We're not. God dang. Whenever I meet, re-
0: whenever I meet like really great people, I know that there's other great people at the company and then after I don't think I've ever shared this before so a candid moment but after I go buy shares of their company <laughs> when I'm like oh they have great people great culture I'm like I'll just hold a long position on this for a decade.
1: Yeah no we we're I, we're a unique software company. I mean we're cash flow positive, we're profitable, we have EBITDA, uh, we're owned by a private equity firm and they've been they've been very they've been awesome to work with they're very patient and they've let uh, our ceo and his leadership team really navigate and traverse uh, the the business they're they're very hands off so it's been it's an amazing experience it's a it's we are a, i would say a mid size software company and it's really nice i mean we're a close knit uh, close knit bunch of people and collaboration is Is super important not collaboration banging on the keyboard but how are we going to solve problems let's imagine what could be how do we get there we can't get there today but how do we get there over time and how can we bring our customers along in that journey and while we're bringing them along in that journey how can we help them because if we're not helping them they're not going to be interested in anything that we're doing we could have the greatest widget in the world or piece of software but if it's not adding value to them personally not just at an enterprise level but personal value if they don't have an intimate relationship with our different software applications we're not going to succeed so we're very very not only customer intimate but very user-centric with respect to how can we help them solve the problems that they experience day in and day out
0: and i found that people that are founders that it gets so cemented into them this concept Uh, that it just becomes like something that's uh, inseparable. Like it's something I've been learning over the past couple of years. Like I knew it in product, right. That you have to keep the, understand the customer. And from that standpoint, but as I, you know, grew as an entrepreneur and in business, I realized that they, first of all, this sales is simply helping, right? Like you, I used to think of it like used car salesman and I realized, nope, like that's not how it actually works. So I got a better understanding of how sales works. Uh in the past couple of years, but I've also, uh, really, well, well what I, I guess the question I want to ask for you is, uh, like you have an entrepreneurial background.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so you, you, you learned a lot of this stuff by starting your company and then did, did you actually,
1: uh, did you get acquired by change point? Correct. Yes, sir. We were acquired in April of 2015.
0: Okay. And, and what, what are like the big takeaways from that?
1: You know, it is quite a, it's quite a chasm to cross. I'll say to be an entrepreneur, to get acquired, which is something you always, you know, as an entrepreneur, it just validates what you're doing. And then to make that transition into this isn't my business anymore. um, But this business is a part of me and being able to make that emotion. And you, you said it. That emotional separation is the, the hardest part. You know, I can act very transactional and be like, yep, that's the process that we follow. But that emotional separation, you know, candidly took a long, long time. It's very, you play music. I mean, from my perspective, like a band or a musician, they're as entrepreneurial as any software mogul that's out there. You know, They write this music, they shop it around they're trying to get, you know, people to be interested in what they're doing and you know that experience that i had pl- playing in bands and, and and doing a little touring and making some albums that just got me excited about i love sharing ideas and i get emotionally attached to them and i think the hardest part from the acquisition we you know when changepoint acquired us a lot of amazing things happened one there was unique synergy uh, two, they brought scale that we didn't necessarily have as a as a smaller company, and they brought some process. I mean, they really brought some order to the chaos uh, of a startup. But detaching emotionally from the product and how we interact uh, with each other, you know, that took a little bit of time. And 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 really, I don't want to say the culture evolved. Change points culture evolved, and we had to adopt some of their. You know, uh, cultural habits. And candidly, they adopted a lot of our habits. They liked that we were uh, a super cool technology recognized in the industry, moved really, really fast, very small team that could crank out a lot of work very, very quickly. But when you start getting pummeled with a lot of customers, that, you know, small net approach doesn't necessarily uh, work and you have to scale. And the emotional detachment is. Is tightly coupled to building trust, and you build trust over time. It's not instantaneous.
0: That is something I 100% agree with. Now, when you was this your first entrepreneurial endeavor?
1: No, I had uh, two before that. One a nice big crash and burn during the the dot com, the dot bomb, and then just a little small one prior to that. So I've always done been in. I grew up. My father was an entrepreneur. He he used to own a bunch of machine shops. So I've grown up in that. That's that's just what you you become. You start your own business. You don't work for someone else. You just start your own business. And I had you know some great uh, employment opportunities. You know in between that and learned a ton. So, but I ultimately beat. Being an entrepreneur in a business like ChangePoint is 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 super fun because I'm almost more of an evangelist. I mean, I manage the enterprise architecture management business, but I get to focus a lot of time too on what could be what what could ChangePoint look like? What could it be? How can we take our customers to the next level? And that's super exciting. And I, you know, ninety percent of my day is spent just collaborating with customers and trying to figure out. creating a relationship so they can get to a point of vulnerability where they'll say you know what this is really what's bugging me this is really where we're having problems and then to have that candid dialogue to say that's super interesting we're not focused on that but maybe here i'm going to point you in a direction to someone that might be able to help you but you mentioned this other thing let's drill into this a little bit more and let's see if we can help you there so that's one of the great things about changepoint we really are we are focused on helping our customers and if we have a product that fits the need or a capability rather that fits the need then we're going to you know really create that intimate relationship but if it's the you know wrong opportunity we'll be very candid with our customers we don't want them to stick a you know square into a round hole we want them every every touch that they have with us whether they become a customer or not, we want that to be an experience that can't be replicated. And software is easily replicated. You can replicate it. I mean, someone could make ChangePoint EAM and likely maybe doing it in their garage, but that customer intimate approach, that is not easily replicated. The experience that we have as an organization aligning execution or strategy to execution is second to none. We have, you know, very deep expertise in the ability to execute big ideas and bringing those to market.
0: I was having a conversation yesterday with a gentleman named Larry Robinson, and we were talking about, he introduced me to this concept of uh, like budget allocation in, in the context of running a run growth transform, like RGT mm-hmm. Run growth I mean, transform, yep. So this is something that's like an industry known yeah. thing.
1: And it's pretty, it's common uh, in budget. Uh, yes, definitely in budget allocation. But if you look at enterprise architecture, you are looking at the different parts of your business and you're making decisions. How am I going to allocate these finite resources? It, it, am I running this part of the business and that's just a sustain? Do I want to grow it? in anything i'm growing i'm going to throw more investment at it and hopefully it's aligned to my strategy because it's going to help me get to where i want to go or am i going to transform it and if i want to transform it i'm going to stick a little bit more money in that so yeah it's it's a great paradigm to really focus your attention and it's a great paradigm uh, you were talking to the shopify guy i really enjoyed that interview if you think about it in the context of 30 60 90 you know the run the business is that 30% that Grow the business is that sixty percent. That transform the business, that's the ninety percent. I want to get into the details and understand what are we going to do to transform, because that'll ultimately support what we want to do from a growth perspective. So that just gives context to the decisions that you're going to make, and it enables not only stakeholders but you know everyone in the enterprise to to, to understand. All right, this is the focus of the give. This is the focus of the business, and if you're working on the thirty percent or the run side, that doesn't mean you're not important to the business. It it really means you gotta keep this thing going. If you're working on the grow and the transform, it's all just provides context and a lens of how am I gonna engage with this stakeholder or uh, other part, team members as, a, as it relates to where we are in that budget allocation paradigm. You're very intelligent. Do you, do you write at all? <laughs> uh, uh, I, am, uh, I would love to write. I have a lot of ideas that I, I have a lot of like 20 pages that uh, I, I haven't finished. But yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy writing. I do.
0: Do you publish your stuff like blog posts? And-
1: no, uh, my cohorts uh, would like to see that more. And uh, it, you know what? It's one of those things. I like to do it because I like to do it. When I have to do it, it just, it's not that I won't do it. It just takes longer. I wrote a couple poems the other day and it was just literally, I got an hour and I'm in between meetings. I just need to take a break and I just banged out a couple of things. But it's more cathartic for me. I don't mind if people read what I write. It's just really more of a cathartic exercise and, and candidly helps me. I don't want, it helps really deep in any experiences that I have. That's what I like about writing is it really, it it creates that reflective opportunity to really dig into an experience and then look at how you could apply that experience, you know, in the context of business to solve a problem or in the context of a relationship, how to show up differently. So that's why I like to write.
0: I, I like to, I, I did a, um, like a songwriting class book program thing a few years ago and so i went through this i think it was like 30 day challenge where you write you set a timer for 10 minutes and you write totally Uh, it definitely improved and you know there's there's something to be said for when you're and this can be tied back to technology or career and improvement but there's something to be said for uh for like specific improvement like scheduled improvement and then spontaneous improvement and dive. And I, and I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's a portfolio of of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I have found that writing, uh, I, cause I've written some poem things too. Like, well, I, I for lyric writing, you can basically write poems and then they can turn into lyrics. Yep. That's like one yep. of the exercises yep. I went through. Yeah. But that, that process was actually pretty unique because first of all, you've never heard it. I've
1: never heard it in business before. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'll write a business haiku or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: But when you do, it's just it's like a different muscle in your brain. It's like a different part. And it's pretty it's a pretty interesting. uh, I'm no stranger of like exploring weird areas because I find that to be like an interesting part of life. And so when people come up with different ideas, I'll you know try them and, and see what I if I gain anything from the experience. But that would that'd be a fun uh, a fun exercise, a business haiku, right? That's yeah, it. right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like to do anything that helps just shaping the experience and and create uh, you know refined context. Context is on a continuum, right? And as you get deeper and deeper and more intimate, you know, your lens gets, you know, bigger and you You start to see things more clearly. And that's that's why I appreciate the space that I am in from an enterprise architecture management standpoint. You start at a 30,000 foot view and you can get very, very deep and you have a lot of people participating and, and providing that context. And to me, that's, everything context supports the ability to be customer intimate and know a lot about your your customer not only change point to you know our customers but internally as a business every person has a different stakeholder or is a customer to someone else you know someone is consuming what they're doing how do you evolve that how do you create a customer intimate relationship in that context i'm a developer My customer is a business user. How do I get customer intimate in that context? And how do I create a level of transparency and uh, an an air of vulnerability where I can reduce that gap, that chasm between business and IT? And that fundamentally is really what we're focused on from an enterprise architecture management standpoint. And we think it's that type of relationship that accelerates that, you know, strategy to execution alignment.
0: So let's say people are listening, they hear that, they say, hey, I think that I have a gap or I want to analyze my gap. That is a service that they could come to you and discuss.
1: That is a, definitely, they can leverage our enterprise architecture management software to support that, the the discovery of that gap, and then really Take different pivot. If I do this, does it close the gap? If I do this, does it open the gap? How do I, you know, do I move it an inch or do I, you know, move closer to my goal by exponentially? Definitely.
0: So you have, so you have software for this.
1: Exactly. We are a software company.
0: So I could take your software. Yep. And I could, and you guys could sit next to me and we kind of show me how, like, I put this information in about the business. Yep. And, and it could help me drive the strategic direction of the business by using the software.
1: It can help. And I don't want to say drive because it's not like push button, Amazon, buy it now. (laughs) Uh, That's what everyone wants, Um, but it can help you. And it will help inform you. Are you aligned with where you want to go? It will enable you to ask better questions. Because my our belief is if you're asking better questions, you're gonna get better results. It's the you know, the lean mentality. Ask why seven times. You know if my uh, I, that, that's just an obsession to me. If someone says it doesn't work because we did, you know we had too much load, okay, great. Why did we have too much load? Well, we had five hundred users. you know, I'm just I think asking better questions gets you better results. And at the end of the day, What ChangePoint Enterprise Architecture Management software does is enable anyone in the enterprise to ask a better question. We're about creating enterprise advisors. Our perspective is stop hiring the Deloitte's, the McKinsey's, these fancy consulting firms out there. You have a valuable resource throughout your enterprise. Leverage them to be your advisor. So when we and I can you know link this back to that business continuity uh, plan that you were talking about, and were businesses ready for this? They could cut over and do all the things that they needed to do from a physical standpoint, but they have a, a gigantic opportunity right now to leverage the collective experience of their entire business to help them, you know. Determine are they aligned with this, where, with where they want to go from a strategic perspective? Where are the gaps? Everyone, every individual, you know, is looking at gaps day in and day out, and they document it, you know, maybe in an Excel spreadsheet, a post it note. And ChangePoint EAM gives everyone the ability to, for lack of a better term, share their thoughts about something in the business, a piece of software, a given process. And as you crowdsource that, you get closer to identifying where are the opportunities to make a change and 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 really get to where you want to go. That's what's super exciting, is that col- aggregating that collective experience. You almost think that hive mentality to really and as a stakeholder, I can look back and look and see, huh? I am aligned. Am I re- my most valuable resources are telling me aligned, or I could look at what's going on and be like, huh? We are really off base. Yes, everyone has a job and they're super grateful, but we got people doing, you know, the right doesn't know what the left's doing. How do we get that alignment? I like that. I think you guys are doing meaningful work. It's really, really, it's, it's cool. It's sexy. I know that may not be a, a very good word to use. It's but the it's best su- word. Yeah. It's super exciting. I mean, it, I get geeked out. Here, truly as a stakeholder, if I was a CEO or you know a CTO, what's gonna keep me up at night are the things that I don't know. That's what's gonna keep me up at night. Now, what I know, big deal. If I know it, that means everyone knows it. I'm just not that smart. But what I don't know, that's gonna prevent me from either being intimate with my customer, it's gonna create an impact to the business that may have a ripple effect to other parts of the business, and enterprise architecture management, a core component of it is, let's identify what you have, what you do, let's assess, does what you have and what you do, is it adding value? And if it adds value, is it aligned with where we want to go? And those are four easy questions to answer, assuming I know, uh, you know what everything I need to know. So enterprise architecture management helps me find those blind spots and you know really focus on those things that I don't know. And the beauty of that is oftentimes that's where the magic moment is. That's where that aha moment is where you're like, huh, didn't know that. And you now using your, you know, your budget allocation paradigm, grow, run, transform, you didn't know this. Now you can apply a paradigm to say, let's ramp this up. I had no idea that this was in the business, either as a impact or a benefit. Let's run towards that. That is the stuff that literally it gets me chills i love hearing our clients say never knew this before it is it's just such an awesome experience
0: at the core it's like certain it's it's like you're selling certainty almost right which is important like it well and i'll and i'll give some i'll give context to that too so uh (laughs) Um, Did you
1: see my hesitation? Yeah. I was like,
0: you're like, no, no, no. I, I want to give context to where I'm coming from with that. I read this great article from Tony Robbins and uh, about, it was about psychology and the, like there was like six or seven core human needs, like core drivers in, inside of humans. And um, one of them was certainty. Like that's a, that's a core driver. And some of us have higher needs for certainty and some of us has lower needs for certainty and it can ebb and flow like, like the seasons and the weather. But I, when I try to make sense of things as a, as a carbon-based life form, I try to always like boil stuff down, like where does this fit in the portfolio for humans and in what you, what people want, what we desire is we desire at a certain level of certainty and we go through these exercises in our business, whether there are meetings or frameworks like the, the, you know, the. Uh, run, transform, budget allocations, things like this. We we leverage these tools, these cerebral tools and and procedural tools, in order to gain a higher level of certainty, and and rightfully so. We should. I want people to to have that as a core driver. Uh, obviously, you can take it to an extreme and it can get too much. But uh, one of the one of the what this leads me to a question because we were talking about some um, frameworks or some acronyms for the budget allocation. Are there any favorites of yours in this strategy alignment?
1: From an acronym standpoint? Yeah.
0: Like, are there any ones that get thrown around a lot in the alignment area or no?
1: No, I mean, they're, you know, they all, one we use a lot is, it's from Gartner. It's tolerate, invest, migrate, eliminate. It's very, you know, it's almost identical to run, grow, transform. Uh, I wouldn't say I have a favorite acronym. But what I'd like to pick up, and I see, I like what you say now about certainty. And really, fundamentally, I think that is at the core of Point enterprise architecture. And I, as a employee, want to have a level of certainty that what I'm doing is uh, meaningful and is having an impact in the business. And that fundamentally is at the core of change point enterprise architecture we give everyone the ability whether you're a developer you know if you if a secretary had access whatever it is we give everyone the ability to participate at the enterprise level so they can start to see you know does what i do is it impactful is it aligned with where i want to go and if i can answer yes to those questions. I have a level of certainty that I didn't have, and especially when we're all working in these isolated environments right now. I mean, I'm in my studio. I, you know, my level of certainty goes away. There is just emotional apprehension with distance, and the ability to, you know, interact uh, in a in a different form and and crowdsource not only what do I do, but what the business does. That starts to give me a level of certainty or like that CTO conversation, it highlights what I don't know and it gives me an opportunity to learn more or to pivot and make some changes. And those, you know, think about though that level of interaction, hundreds or thousands of times across the day in an enterprise, the, the, the metadata and the insight that you can glean from those different transactions, tra, you know, individual transactions, It's monumental. So my ability to identify gaps, see blind spots, test alignment, you know, look at the impact of change. Now I can do that in real time. It is not a six month, 12 year, you know, 12 month exercise where I have an external consulting firm coming in. That's something I can do all day, every day. Now, once I make the decision as an enterprise to say, and and really put, uh, put some oomph behind what they say their resources are their most important asset, then turn them into enterprise advisors, leverage that collective experience. I mean, that's really that's the wall we hit from an enterprise architecture management standpoint because like like anything that is super awesome and super cool, there is a behavioral change component to it. And organizations that are more actualized are open to that behavioral change. Organizations that are, you know, more fear-based, it's, it's a bigger hump for them to get over.
0: So I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I want to see it. Right. Like I like, yeah. I like this idea. Do you have like videos or screenshots like on the website? Like how, how do you help your customers that are saying like when they're new, like, let's just pretend this is like a first interaction oh.
1: with us. And I'm
0: telling you, like, I want to see it. How do you answer that question with your customers?
1: Well, definitely, uh, of course, you can go to changepoint.com and you can look at the enterprise, our our enterprise architecture management solution or other two solutions. Um, The way that I would describe it best, if someone says, what does it do? Imagine Facebook for the enterprise, but really my friends are processes, applications, technologies, markets, products, strategies, and I'm creating a dimensional map or relationship of those things. So anytime I click on it, I can see their friends and all the things that they're related. So I can traverse a graph, and I Come start now. to get this graphical representation of my enterprise. That's what enter. That is what we aspire to do from an enterprise architecture management standpoint. We are trying to turn the what we would say old school enterprise architecture management approach on its head. It is it is really about leveraging the collective experience to create that dy- dynamic organic enterprise view so that no matter where you're at, you can see how to, if I change this, what's the resulting impact? And it requires, if you think about a business, there's a lot of bits and bytes in the business. So you can auto discover a lot of information. Kind of like when you get a new printer, it can auto-discover the Wi-Fi and the network you're on. There's a lot of software that can do that. But using that printer example that discovers the Wi-Fi or the network you're on, that printer can't discover what's around it. Boy, I'm in a credenza. This credenza's got a desk. It's in an office that's next to a kitchen. And they're all seemingly related, even though it seems isolated. We help enrich that picture. So we can take auto-discovered information from other third-party products and then the collective experience starts to enrich that information and say, yes, I have an application. That application supports procure-to-pay or customer transaction. This transaction is uh, supported by a customer service agent. That customer service agent is in Torrance, California. Uh, So really creating that dynamic map to create this graphical representation of the business it how can it not get you chills right i'm so excited but and it is super exciting and when it really works it is it, it can bring tears to your eyes because you have the collective experience of your business chiming in and saying this is what this thing does and they're just It's on a continuum, you know, it's it's just, it gets so data rich and it no longer is metadata. It is an insight in and of itself. You know, that is really where the magic is, is when data just becomes an insight. It's still data, but contextually, it's so rich because it has so many relationships. It's almost like you've created a painting just looking at one thing because you can see everything around it.
0: So you have this like abstraction of the organization, its processes in a digital way. And then there's like a social component too, where like we could actually go in and like, we could, y- you could be looking at the model. I could be looking at the model and I could like leave a comment on like different areas. Is,
1: is it like that? Yeah. It's very close. I, yes, I would say that conceptually is very good.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to build the mental, no, no, mental no. Uh,
1: that's, image. because that's, that's super. That's, that's very accurate.
0: It sounds so useful because you know even as my business was growing, I was looking for things like how do we you know do process management or how do I you know sh- visualize the process in which all of these things happen because you know I'm an engineer so I want to like see it
1: yeah.
0: uh, on a flow and I found that the tools were like pretty old for that uh, and because only some of the massive enterprises were really doing it and I was kind of blown away by how it's not happening at at, at smaller companies and. Uh, So that that's probably another conversation, but what I found was that the, the tools weren't really what I wanted to do. And the reason why I'm kind of excited now is I feel like your tool is the blue ocean. Like I didn't know I wanted it to look like that, but I feel like that's what I would want the tool to look like. And that's how I would want to interact with it. Are you guys seeing that with your customers? Are you like a blue ocean here?
1: We are like a blue ocean and that's where the customer intimate, uh, philosophy becomes really important yeah i'll you know how do you swim a blue ocean one stroke at a time you can't just jump across it right and so really uh you can do a lot of different things with enterprise architecture management what we try to do what we do not try what we do organizationally is to figure out all right we're going to get across this ocean one stroke at a time let's focus our attention so our implementation methodology is a bunch of focused sprints. I mean, and again, enterprise architecture, project portfolio management, service automation. How can we do quick two-week you know, sprints to get you to where you want to go? And then it does, it, it evolves very, very, it's very organic. I mean, it may start out with five users and explode. I mean, our first customer, we sold to one person and sold one license And within a year, we're at a thousand active registered users. And now, you know, they're at 6,500 active registered users that are, you know, on a daily basis entering something someone else didn't know about the business, about a capability or a process, about an integration, about a piece of data, about a new application, about a strategy. And, you know, as you continue to make those contributions, you're just enriching that whole enterprise graph.
0: You're blowing my mind. This is this is actually like really cool.
1: Everyone, I would kill to be cool. So I'll, I'll send that <laughs> to my kids and say, hey, this young gun said your old man's cool. So
0: <laughs> that's no, but it, like I get to hear a lot of products. I get to hear a lot of things, you know, and I get to see a lot of stuff, but I feel like this is going, like you guys are just, you're, you're just at the beginning. You're just at day one. Once the enterprise is, hear about this and see it. And as you you get your first license, land and expand, this is going to be something that's like really big long-term.
1: Yes. Yes. We are at, there is a fundamental change happening in the different disciplines that support strategy to execution. There's a fundamental change and we are at the forefront of that. And it's super, super exciting. It is super exciting. The nice thing about being at the forefront of it is everything that we just talked about, we can actually do. I'm super excited about how do we even take it further and, and really accelerate this, this fundamental change that is occurring within enter- enterprises around You know how do you create a army of enterprise advisors so that everyone is focused on, you know, the end result, whatever that may be. And that is what is super, super exciting. I mean, we're talking about making companies, you know, hyper productive. If they're, you know, if the computer was the introduction of making people productive, this is that intellectual capacity. And that is the hardest thing to codify and capture and to be able to, you don't know, get insight into it, it, And so that is what is so super exciting.
0: So there, I don't know if this is helpful for you, but this is actually a trend I'm noticing. Um, I don't know if it relates at all, but I'm I'm hearing a lot of people talk more about how they connect subject matter experts within their organization. So like, whether it's around a specific technology, I hear a lot about that in engineering teams. Like, you know, oh, we, we're doing a Slack channel, or we have a group that meets once or whatever. And then, and like this group will know everything about, you know, Redis or databases. And so if other parts of the organization need to know about databases, they could come talk to this group because we're inside, but everyone's kind of doing it a little bit differently. And I, and I like to watch patterns emerge uh, because, well, that's how you, profit as an entrepreneur but, but I like to watch the patterns emerge and I'm definitely seeing people are asking that question is how do I get the 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 smart people the knowledge the subject matter experts essentially to, to identify and then be available through for other parts of the organization because and it makes sense it's actually surprising that there isn't more refined way to do it already
1: yeah and that one of the exercises of participating you know with the change point enterprise architecture management solution our platform you are uh, one announcing your subject matter expertise it's it's very identifiable and you can start to see as an example how that subject matter expertise relates to the rest of the enterprise and it's very discoverable now now i don't need to create centers of excellence for you know red hat or center of excellence for the procure to pay process it's discoverable in the context of change point enterprise architecture management and more importantly i can start to interact with it you know at a personal level to assess you know impact benefit how do i advance something or just discover other like minds geez joel is a uh, he likes to play uh, he likes to code on the unify the unity platform had no idea I'm using the Unity platform, you know, to render in 3D a new process or something to that effect. That's the type of, you can ask a question, you can discover it and then interrogate that and the end result is an insight that you didn't have prior.
0: Yes, 100%. I definitely see the center of excellence is changing uh, from how we did them before to what they will be because... To your point, you know, I could be hobby, hobbyist creator of video games, but you would never know that by my job title, Uh, you know, and I happen to be have an interest in that. Right. And then that could be useful to someone else at the organization. But in order to get those things out there, I think, I think we'll see more of that. I think we'll see more of like, uh, and I guess a visualization that's coming to mind is, is like a video game where you have all the stat bars and the strengths. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see more of that with our employees, not because of a negative, right? Of of analyzing them and being overreaching, but because of a positive. Because knowing what the interests are, you know, if I'm forming a new team in this part of the organization, I might recruit internally through people that we that already know our product or our culture and have that skill set. So I think there will be come, there will be in the future, there will be more transparency about, about the different team members and what their strengths are.
1: Well, it's the interesting thing about what you just said too, is the millennials, the, the younger organiz, you know, young, younger team members, that type of information to them is like you said, it's not a negative, it's context. This is who I am you know, I have a maximum shot factor of whatever it is, you know, if you think about it from playing on Discord, it just informs you on, all right, this is how I'm going to interact. This is how I can create that, you know, employee to employee intimacy or, you know, in some essence, it's, it's super vulnerable to show that information, but that vulnerability provides greater context for the enterprise. So we are seeing our customers that have, uh, you know, a younger generation, uh, millennials and younger as their core employees, they're hyper hyperproductive in, in ChangePoint EAM because they want to at the end of the day to see, you know, does what I do, does it matter? Does it affect or is it impacting the business? Am I moving it forward? How do I relate to everything else? I don't want to be just an employee number or a member of this team. I'm the member of a collective. And there's a lot of people in here. And, and that's, that's the exciting stuff, that it, willingness to to make that leaf of faith and say, put your knowledge out there. Not your knowledge in the context of I'm a J2E developer, I know spring, uh, you know, any of that type of stuff. But to say, this is what I'm working on and what I'm working on is related to this process. And then when you click on that process, you're like, huh that process is related to the strategy of you know find a cure for covid-19 i had no freaking idea are you kidding me and the the enthusiasm and the empowerment all of a sudden what i do has different context and i can start to traverse all these relationships that i didn't have any line of sight to before
0: yeah it builds meaning and totally. purpose
1: and that's that's 100% important. totally it helps it helps, in, you know, that individual, what's my why? That's a, you know, blow Simon S out of the water, steal oh, his line. Right there. But yeah, you know, what's my why? It it helps affirm what is my why. I
0: can never get that guy's last name right. I think uh, I say Simon Sinek. Yeah, I, I don't
1: know. I can't either.
0: But he's smart. I listened to him talk a little bit. Uh, he like recorded a company meeting he had about the coronavirus and put it out there. Huh. and. Uh, Yes, that's on YouTube. You can scan it. It's just like a 10-minute call with his employees about you know making the change because most of his revenue was from in-person speaking. Yeah. You know, like workshops. And so you just have to you have to change the organization. Yeah. Uh, if if you have to, to to stay relevant. Dude, this is an awesome conversation. You're a fantastic person.
1: Joel, thanks. It was it's it's fun. I was I got up and my wife goes, Boy, you're awfully antsy. And I get up crazy early. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like. I'm just excited to talk to someone that I don't talk to all the time because we've been in shelter in place for so long. I mean, I think we're on week six and thankfully my, we all get along, but it was just like, all right, here's a new face. I have so I truly I'm super grateful for the opportunity change point is, and it's been a, a hoot riffing and collaborating. Was
0: there, was there any areas uh, that we didn't cover that we want to cover here?
1: No, I, I you know what? I didn't come in with really uh, the goal was just to have some fun, Dude, share experiences and and re- really no agenda. It was just to come in, talk about the cool stuff we're doing, learn from you, and it, I wanted it to be like a coffee shop. so it was awesome.
0: Thank you. That's like exactly the purpose of this show. I, and then you're you're primarily in Minnesota,
1: yes,. Uh, I'm based out of Minnesota. The most of change point is we, well, I mean, we, we, we're a global organization, but our corporate offices are in Seattle, Washington.
0: But you spend most of your time in Minnesota?
1: Minnesota, correct. We have a small group of resources here. Yep.
0: Well, I find people I want to like hang out with in person or something. I put them on the travel sheet and then whenever there's a opportunity and I'm nearby, I take like a flight or just come say hello if, if I'm in the city.
1: Anytime, we'd love to have you.
0: Paul, this is fantastic.
1: Joel, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much, I really appreciate it. Thank you, have a great (laughs) Friday. You too, thanks buddy. Rock on man, be good.